Welcome back, everyone. We are back with another episode. Ken's has compiled a great episode. Very important. We are going to be talking about gender-affirming care. I'm really excited about this one because lately, in, with the political climate of today, and this being such a hot, trending topic, and then just like some things with my workplace that have come to light in the media that I'm not super happy about. Mm-hmm. Um, I have really just wanted to talk about this because I feel like it's really important and it's something that we both believe in. Right. So before we get into it, though, let's talk about our obsessions. I am literally obsessed with Hannah and Dylan's wedding. The Royal Bachelor Nation wedding. Literally. They are my favorite Bachelor Nation couple. We are not a part of Bachelor Nation anymore, mm-hmm. but like they've been engaged for what? Four years. years. Yeah. They got engaged four years ago on Bachelor in Paradise and they finally got married. And I am obsessed with their wedding. I want their wedding. It was it very... was so classically elegant and beautiful. Yeah. No, I loved it. I thought everything about it was beautiful. They're just such a cute couple. They're so cute. And this was so cynical of me, but I kept wondering if they were gonna if break they up. were ever gonna break up because mm-hmm. Everybody does for the most part in Bachelor Nation yeah. or reality couples, reality TV couples. Well, like Caitlin and Jason, they were also engaged for yeah. like a long time. Three years? Yeah. And they just got, they just broke up. Yeah. I so, was so worried for them, but they made it. They, they made, made it. it. And like, they're so cute. I just love them. And so, yeah, if you're listening, Hannah, congrats. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> I also saw a TikTok of people estimating how much their wedding costs. You know how people will do that with yeah. Emily Mariko's wedding. Yeah. So people were trying to guess how much their wedding was. And the general census is like 800K. Well, you know that they got like sponsored yes, stuff. Yes, she totally got tons of stuff sponsored. But yeah, that's, that's insane. Crazy. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. And you still have a nice honeymoon. Yeah, that's insane. I wonder if they're on their honeymoon right now. I think they are. She posted something today. Oh, cute. Yeah. I love that. Well, my obsession is something that changed my life. You need to get yourself a laundry scented candle. Glade has great ones. The brand. Not sponsored. Um, <laughs> but also, a, I got the Glade. I got two Glade candles that are laundry scented. And then I got um, a dual like wall plug thing that has two different scents. And one of them is fresh laundry. The other one is like rain or something. But literally, it smells so good. And it it like improves my mood. Like I walk into my room and it just smells clean. And it smells fresh. I literally can't tell the difference. Okay. Next time you walk in here, and after you haven't been in here for a while, you'll notice it. Trust me, it is amazing, and you should get yourself a laundry-scented something. Well, I love laundry-scented stuff, but I don't think I'd ever burn a candle. No, no, no. Trust me, I'm going to light that candle after, and when you're in here and you smell it, like, you'll notice it. It's just nice. Like, it just feels clean. I know. I love laundry scent. Yeah. So that's my obsession. Along with my obsession, I also have an update. So we all know G. Baby G. Our pride and joy. Yeah. Um, so G is my cat for new listeners. And 
I took him to the vet this week because he has been weird the past, like... He's been so weird. The past week, I would say, he just had some symptoms, okay? And so I finally, I was like, I need to take him in. I waited because I'm surprised I didn't take him in the day I saw him have symptoms, you know, because I just get so nervous. But I waited it out. I waited it out. And then it's been, it had been almost a week. And I was just thinking, I need to take him in. So I ended up taking him into the vet and they wanted to do blood work on him, which I was like, okay, I want some peace of mind. We're going to do it. And turns out he is 100% healthy. And especially for his age, because he is 11 years old. But the vet said he's perfectly healthy for his age. And also, I have been thinking he was the wrong breed the whole time. I was told he was a domestic short hair. He is actually a Bombay mix. <laughs> you should explain because I didn't know what that was. So Bombays, and mind you, he is a mix, but Bombays are like a very rare cat. And even like Bombay mixes, you don't really see them in the shelters because they're highly coveted. And so the vet was literally saying I could enter him in shows. You're literally glowing right now. <laughs> I love it. Like, he's so cute. And so the vet cute. also said that the common nickname for Bombays is Little Panthers. And everyone has always said. said that. He's a tiny little panther. And so, yeah, I just love that. I'm like, so G is now being reintroduced as Gigi the Bombay. The Bombay. So, yeah. I'm proud of him. I already updated his Instagram bio and everything. So, yeah. I love that for him. Yeah, that's my update. I have a Bombay cat. <laughs> you love making Gia part of your personality. I do. No, literally, like, <laughs> I'm so dramatic. I When I called the vet, I was like, I feel like his abdomen is kind of hard. It was just because he was tensing up his belly because he didn't like that I was holding him, like, the way I was holding him. But I, like, felt, and I guess I was feeling his ab muscles, <laughs> but I, like, pushed in, and I literally, I was on FaceTime with Kendrick, and I literally started sobbing because I was like, I cannot live without him. I don't know what to do. And he was like, okay, well, maybe call a vet and, like, see if someone can get him in. And I was like, yeah, I have to go. I have to go. And then I, like, scheduled, and then the vet tech, when she checked, uh, she felt his abdomen, and she was like, perfectly soft belly he's completely fine there and I was like okay good because okay. like if that would have been if it would have been the opposite way that would have been a bad sign so I'm glad it wasn't but I was just like I I need to calm down sometimes well I get it though because that's your baby that's my baby that's your baby and I keep saying in my late 20s when I'm more established I'm getting a tiny dog <laughs> and yeah. that's gonna be my baby yeah and the other thing with Bombay's is that their lifespan on average is up to 20 years. <gasps> oh, so I'm so happy about that. Yeah. So G will see my babies, hopefully. Within the next nine years. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's my life update. Today's feminist highlight was actually requested by a listener. So we love that. And she's a German activist. Her name is Anne Wazorek. I don't think I pronounced that right. I'm so sorry. I'm not German. We did research. We did. And that's the best that I could come up with. She became known from starting the hashtag, hashtag outcry. That's the English translation. And this hashtag started in 2013. 
She writes about sexism, violence against women, racism, trans rights, more social issues that are a big deal. She also published a book, and the English title is Because an Outcry is Not Enough for a Feminism of Today. And I love that title because I feel like there's so much bite behind it. Like, yeah, like outcry outcry is a powerful word. Exactly. And so that's not even enough in today's world. So I love that. I really like that. Yeah, because outcry, that like evokes emotion. Invoke? I don't know. I just, I, I took a shot in the dark with that word. <laughs> it's uh, evoke, I think. Okay. Um, but it really puts emotion into you. <laughs> and it's not a word that's like used very often. Right. So I love that. That's very powerful. Yeah. So look her up for sure. I read a little bit of stuff that was translated to English, but her website and a lot of other stuff is in German. So find what you can. But I think her book would be really interesting to read. Yeah. I wonder if we could find a translated version. Probably. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thank you to our listener who submitted this. We love that. And it's an open submission for feminist highlights. So if we don't get submissions, then we pick them. But we'd love to keep highlighting people that you submit. So go ahead and send us a DM. Let's get into the topic. And... Today is really going to be education-based because there's a lot about gender-affirming care that people don't know. And there's a lot of misconceptions about it that I'm going to address towards the end of the episode as well. But they're really important because I think a lot of the issue is, well, a big issue is people not being open. But a lot of the issue, I think, is also people not understanding what it fully means. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get into that. According to Healthline.com, gender-affirming care is a holistic approach to making sure a person's mental and physical needs surrounding their gender identity and expression are met. We often forget that mental health is very important for trans and non-binary people. There's so much stigma that comes with being trans and non-binary in today's climate, in today's world. Yeah. And there's so much that we need to overcome with that as a society. Mm-hmm. And it's so frustrating. I can't imagine being somebody who is transgender or non-binary and struggling with that and not having access to what you need and not being understood. Mm-hmm. So also gender affirming care is not just for transgender people. It's for people who are non-binary as well, because some people who are non-binary feel that hormone therapy or surgical alterations are part of their journey. Mm-hmm. And so, like their identity. Yes. So today for gender affirming care, we're referring to trans and non-binary people. I'm going to read something from Healthline that I really liked. They said, is gender affirming care just for trans people? No. While GAC, which is the abbreviation, is most often talked about with respect to transgender people, anyone can seek out or participate in it. In fact, many people may not realize they've already received a form of this care. This includes cisgender men who take testosterone therapy, cisgender women who undergo breast augmentation, and more. Even though GAC is for anyone who needs it, the general discussion of this care centers around transgender people. Unlike GAC for cis people, GAC for trans folks is heavily stigmatized and restricted. Trans people often have to go through a great deal of hurdles and red tape that cis individuals do not need for the same procedures. Also, to clarify, if you don't know, cisgendered means you identify as the sex that you were assigned at birth yes so like me and Haley are cisgender women Mm -hmm. 
So that really put stuff into perspective for me. Yeah, I've never thought about it that way. Right? Because, for example, I really want a breast reduction. That is gender-affirming care for me because I would feel more confident, more in my feminine, more myself. And if I walked into a doctor's office and said, I want to consult for a breast reduction, I would get no questions asked. Mm -hmm. But a person who is a fab, which is assigned female at birth, maybe they are transgender and identify as male and they walk into a doctor's office and want a breast reduction or a mastectomy and they get a ton of restrictions, a ton of hesitations, ton of questions asked. Mm -hmm. And it's discrimination. Yeah. I really liked uh, the example they used in here of um, cisgender men being on testosterone because this is actually a very common thing for men, you know, once they hit their 40s and up because your hormones just decline as you age and then you don't feel as good. You testosterone, you might not feel as confident. And that is something that's so interesting because I think like when you think of, let's say the, if you're going to look at men and we're going to generalize the men that are against gender affirming care for trans or non-binary people, you're probably going to think like, oh, they're like super masculine and like, um, probably more right-leaning and when you think about that and you think, oh, if you're going to take away, if, if they needed to be on testosterone therapy and you take that away from them, they're not going to be happy about that because they're not going to feel as good in, in, about themselves. They're not going to feel as confident. They're going to feel um, more low energy because they don't have that hormone. So why is that different? Exactly. There's no difference. Yeah. And I, I just really like that because like, a breast augmentation, that's like a surgery. That's a big thing. And I always thought about surgery when I think of gender affirming care. But like in reality, these very common things that a lot of people get, like testosterone therapy, it's a very common thing. So if we want to protest it for trans and non-binary people, then anyone who wants to get that, we need to protest it for. Right. And let's also circle back to the mental aspect because that's such a big deal right? for someone's journey. So for me personally, I will be slightly vulnerable here with the breast reduction. I feel that if I got a reduction, it would improve my mental health. Yeah. And I feel like we all have things like that. And think about putting yourself in someone's shoes who's trans or non-binary, who is like, I don't feel like I am the gender I was assigned at birth. Mm -hmm. And this would help my mental health, which would affect my overall life in a more positive way. So to me, that's where I don't see how people can protest this because we should all just want the best for everybody. Life is hard enough. Right. Everybody should just be supportive. Exactly. Yeah. No, I really like that. I'm glad that you read that whole quote because that really does put it into perspective. Yeah, it does, right? Like it's something I've never thought about. Right. It is gender affirming care. Right. Yeah. And actually like... I won't get into specifics, but I recently had like a consultation for something that would be fall under the lines of gender affirming care and nobody questioned that. But if it was like the other way, it would be questioned. So that does really put it into perspective. Definitely. We're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. 
It's 2023, and it's time to really prioritize our mental health this year. No matter where you are in life, everyone can benefit from therapy. Whether you need to work through trauma or just need a safe person to talk to, BetterHelp is here for you. BetterHelp is the world's largest online therapy service. Get matched with a professional licensed therapist in your state who you can trust. BetterHelp has options to communicate with your therapist via chat, email, or video, and you can message them at any time to get help. BetterHelp is giving our listeners 10% off if you sign up using the link in our show notes. If you're struggling with depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, or just need someone to talk to, try BetterHelp today by clicking the link in our show notes or go to betterhelp.com slash rtafpod to get 10% off today. I'm going to share the common types of gender-affirming care. Number one is hormone blockers, or they're also referred to as puberty blockers, and these are temporary and reversible. It can prevent puberty from starting while someone is deciding whether or not they want to start hormone replacement treatment. So it's like the first step for many people. Do you have to do it before puberty? Pretty much. Okay. So that like the onset of puberty. So that would be for most people when they're young. Yes. This would be for non-binary and trans youth. Okay. Then there's hormone replacement therapy. And this involves receiving a regular dose of testosterone or estrogen, which are the sex hormones, to bring about desired changes to your secondary sex characteristics. The goal of HRT, hormone replacement therapy, is usually to raise someone's hormone level to the average level of that hormone found in cis people. It's important to remember that everyone's body has some degree of both testosterone and estrogen, but our dominant sex hormones differ. It usually changes which sex hormone is dominant. So if you get hormone replacement therapy, that's usually like, if you're already an adult and you're wanting to transition, that would be your first step basically. But like it said on Healthline, that would just create a more dominant hormone. Because we, like it said, we all have both. Yeah. It's differing degrees. Yeah. So like it's bringing one up. Right. And then it would bring out those like more physical sex characteristics make them more dominant exactly okay that makes sense with hormone replacement therapy some of the changes are permanent but some are reversible it just depends on how long you're doing it and something to keep in mind is that cis people often use hormone replacement therapy to treat things like erectile dysfunction and menopause symptoms So, like we were talking about with that quote. Yeah, something very common. Yes. Another common form of GAC is laser hair removal. Oh. Which is something I didn't think about. Thinking of Dylan Mulvaney. Yes. Documenting her um, journey, like getting her facial hair. Yes. Lasered off. And I know that there's like different types that can be very intense and painful. But yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that either. Another type and the most common, what we think of when we hear gender affirming care is surgery. And there's multiple types of procedures, double mastectomy, which is removing both breasts, breast augmentation, phalloplasty, which is, this is so interesting, constructs a penis out of grafted skin tissue from another place on the body. And then to make it functioning, they thread the urethra through it. Have you seen a video of how it's done I like a graphic okay I was like no but I've seen that (laughs) no because I was interested in that at one point I don't randomly but I was like how does that 
how do, like how does it work it's so crazy and yeah like I saw this like I guess medical cartoon demonstration mm-hmm. and I was like wow that is really crazy it's so cool how they can do that yeah there's also vaginoplasty and the most common type is a penile inversion procedure so you're creating a vagina by inverting the penis interesting which is also cool how they can yeah. do that there's orchioectomy, which is removing one or both testicles. There's hysterectomy, which is complete removal of the uterus and fallopian tubes. And then facial surgeries. And when you mentioned Dylan, mm-hmm. I thought of her facial feminization surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, this weekend, Kendrick told me that like in the last five years or something, I can't remember the fact, but facial feminization surgery has increased by like this crazy number and apparently it's just because people didn't really know about it and I didn't know about it either before Dylan I didn't either so that's cool yeah so now that we've gone over the different types and some one misconception about it we're going to talk about why it's so important and we need to continually work on expanding access to care for trans and non-binary people so that they can fully express themselves because at the end of the day we're all just people and like we've been saying there's nothing holding us back from getting gender affirming care and so why can't it be the same for them right there are so many barriers for trans and non-binary people seeking gender affirming care a big one is a lack of education from providers And this results in them not being able to fully give patients access they need for gender-affirming care because some providers may also have their own biases. They're people at the end of the day. They might just not know about the ins and outs of it. Mm -hmm. And so when a patient asks them, hey, I'm interested in this. Can you give me more information? It might kind of shock them and they aren't super educated on it because i don't think that's really taught like standard wise across the board in depth like it should be yeah and i know f- there's multiple sources that i've read where there are courses that providers can take to just educate themselves further on gender affirming care and what that looks like and different options for patients and i think if more providers took that step then it would be a lot more inclusive in the healthcare system yeah for sure Family dynamics are also another barrier for many people, as I feel like this is a very is probably a big common, one. yeah, yeah, unfortunately. So that can also get in the way of somebody taking their gender affirming care journey. Non-binary and trans people are often overlooked in the healthcare system as well. An example that I really liked that I came across was trans women over 50 may not be getting regular mammograms because you forget about it. We all forget about it in general. Right. And then when you're seeing your provider and it might fall off their radar. Yeah. Because you're a trans woman. Yeah. So we need to watch out for those things as well because we need to be able to make sure that everyone is still cared for and gets the care that they need while still respecting their gender identity. Yeah. Let's get into some misconceptions. And... I feel like in today's day and age, we all have heard these, or some people may even agree with them, or this has been their train of thought. So I really do want to just share these and hopefully educate people. Yeah. The first misconception is that once a person comes out as trans or non-binary, they're going to get top or bottom surgery immediately. Like, 
I'm trans. I am going to get a mastectomy. First off, that's really expensive. So yep, it's not really an option for a lot of people. It's not. Cost is a huge barrier. Yeah. Each person decides if surgery is right for them and their gender expression journey. Not all trans people even pursue surgery and not every non-binary person pursues surgery. Yeah, like it's an individual journey. Exactly. And usually it's the last step in someone's journey because cost, it's mm-hmm. so expensive. Yeah. Another misconception, those that get top or bottom surgery will regret it later in life. This is not true. And there was a new study published in early August of this year, so very recent, in the GAMA Surgery Journal, that people who had gender-affirming mastectomy, which is also referred to as top surgery, had extremely low rates of regret and extremely high rates of satisfaction. Researchers surveyed 235 people who had a gender-affirming mastectomy at the University of Michigan. Participants were between 2 and 26 years post-surgery. Of the 235 people, 139 answered the survey accurately and returned it to the researchers. The findings showed that not a single person regretted their decision, and the median satisfaction score on a five-point scale with five being the highest was five. So none of the participants underwent a reversal procedure. They were all the most happy they could be. Because median is the middle number, right? So if five is the middle, and that's the median. Mm -hmm. I wonder how long after their gender-affirming care they did that study. Like if it was just a year after, or if it was It five, said or participants were between two and 26 years. So it's quite a wide range. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That is a wide range. Yeah. So like, think about it. People who are almost 30 years post-surgery and they still don't regret it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was only one study. They are doing more studies on this, but most people don't regret it. And the people who get on social media and are like, I got top surgery and I regret it. That's one person. That's kind of tearing down the voices of all the other people in the community that have gone under this procedure and don't regret it at all because they feel more like themselves. I have, um, I don't know, like this, and I think we'll talk about it a little bit in a few minutes, but I have, um, I guess, a question. You can keep going. I'll ask after. Okay. Another misconception, trans people are following a trend. Trans people face many hardships and discrimination. So why would you endure that if you were just following a trend? That's my thought. True. I also think like, I think the, the common reasoning to back up like, oh, they're just following a trend is that it seems to have become trendy on social media. But in reality, when you look at um, like, trans people, non-binary people, um, people in the LGBTQ plus community. It seems like, oh, it's just trendy. Everyone's doing it on social media. But in reality, our generation has just made it a safe place. Exactly. Um, more of a safe place. Exactly. So when we think about like, oh, why is all, why are all of a sudden these people coming out and, you know, being more open about it? It's because we've made it a more open place than it was 20, 30 years ago. Right. So it's not trendy. It's just a safer space. I agree. A website called Fatherly said, quote, peer pressure might make kids skip class or take up a new hobby, but kids don't risk bullying, discrimination, and rejection from their families, as well as seek time-consuming medical care to fit in. Yeah, that is true. 
Misconception number four, most trans and non-binary youth are just going through a phase and will outgrow it. So I was looking for information on this and there's a lot of conflicting research and information out there, but a common finding is that most trans kids are unlikely to identify as cisgender later in life. So the younger that a kid comes out as trans or non-binary, the less likely they are to change their mind later in life or decide this isn't me. Mm-hmm. So this is where my question comes into play. Mm-hmm. And in no means am I saying I don't support gender affirming care, but I think it is an interesting debate or I guess thought to entertain of at what age should people be allowed to make that decision to undergo surgery? Well, a lot, as far as I know, a lot of hospitals or doctor's offices, surgical centers don't perform surgeries on minors. And I know that you have to undergo like mental uh, evaluations and stuff before you get those surgeries, just to make sure that you're of sound mind and you're not just making a rash decision. But I do understand, I guess, the concern with hormone replacement therapy or um, like any type of surgery for young people. I mean, when you said that um, there were one type of hormone therapy is like the puberty blockers. Yes. That is really young to start. It is also reversible. It's really hard because I put myself in a position of thinking, when I have kids, if one of my kids were to come to me and say, mom, I'm trans, then I would be supportive, obviously. But I would also want to give them the support that would help their overall well-being while also still having those hesitations, which is totally valid. Just thinking about myself and not even talking about in the lens of um, identity, but I just look at myself when I was 12 versus now and how much my thoughts and feelings and everything has changed. Not And again, I'm not relating this to trans or non-binary people because that's an identity. But just thinking about in general, how much I've changed with maturity and life experiences, it does make me, I guess as a parent, I would be like conflicted starting hormone therapies with your kids young. Just because there, I feel like there is always that question, like, what if this isn't the journey they want to pursue anymore later in life, you know? Totally. And that's so valid. So it is, it is a valid thing. And I feel like, um, it's a valid conversation that can be had and I don't think it should be shut down. Obviously all the hate and all the, like, we look at the facts about gender affirming care and like how it's so common for cis people. So we need to make it just as common for trans and non-binary people. 100% I support. But I do think it's okay to have those questions and thoughts. I do too. Because if I were to put myself in that position, I know I would. Right. Because you want the best for your kids and you don't want to wonder what if. What if they change their mind? Mm -hmm. And what if they're exploring, which is also totally fine. You're at that age. Right. So with the hormone blockers... Those are meant to just be temporary. Okay. So it's kind of like you are figuring it out. Like you're at the start of puberty and you're like, I don't feel like a girl or I don't feel like a boy. So you're kind of just like stopping it so you can think. Yes, exactly. And puberty is 
over the span of a few years, right? So you have time to decide. Yeah. But it is hard because as a minor, like say you go through puberty, like 11 to 14, but then you're still a minor. So it's like, do you stay? I don't know if you stay on hormone blockers or if you like switch to hormone replacement therapy, Mm -hmm. which would be a difficult conversation, I think, to have because that is more permanent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I just wanted to bring that up because I feel like sometimes with these, um, I get, well, these topics are like very emotional. Like there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot into it. Yeah. And so I feel like sometimes... It, it can get lost. And if someone says like one little thing that might be taken as like against it, then it's like, oh, you're not supportive. But like, it is okay to have those questions and those thoughts. And like, I guess those kind of like internal debates of like, eh, what do we do with like minors, you know? Totally. Because as an adult, easy. You're yeah. an adult. Go make your own decisions. Right. And like, you've had some life behind you. So I think people can be overall more supportive yeah but it is hard as a kid because like you said we've all been kids yeah like when I was 12 and now I'm so different right so it I'm glad that you brought that up yeah because I were not parents I'm not a parent so obviously like I'm so supportive but it would be challenged for me if my child were to come to me with this right even though we fully support right, it. Right, because you just want the best. Right. So, yeah, there's a difference, though, between, like, rejecting and shutting down conversations or going the other way and, like, you can ask questions still. Like, can we talk about this? Let's sit down. Right. There's let's, nothing wrong with a conversation. Right. Like, let's not make a decision today. Let's work on this together. That's totally fine, in my opinion. Right. It's and a big deal. A con- I think this is hard when we have such strong feelings about something. But a conversation with someone and they bring up, I guess, an opposing point of view doesn't mean that they're disagreeing or they're shutting it down. It's just, it's okay to have a conversation, you know? Yeah, you have to have a conversation. And that goes with anything. Because, like, I mean, I know that there's things that I'm really sensitive about. And if someone says one thing that's could be, I could see as, like, opposing, then I will shut down. And I, I know I'm right, so, like, I don't want to hear it. And so I think it is important to remember that like questions don't mean you're against it. Right. We all have those things. Yeah. But I am glad you brought that up. It's good to see the other side because it's not just a black and white issue. Yeah. There's so much that goes into it. Right. This is a big trending topic. So just continue to educate yourself. I personally like following creators who are trans and non-binary on social media because they're so educational and they've lived through this. And it really helps me to get outside of my own perspective and realize that people struggle when they're going through their personal journey. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good to not really like hop on the bandwagon of like what things seem like they are. Yeah. Like that misconception of I'm transgender. So now I'm going to go like get top or bottom surgery. That's a misconception. Yeah. Right. That's not like you jump to that. Right. Yeah, no, I think, like, respect everyone's journeys, think about things realistically, like, hormone replacement therapy is all over for cis people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I learned a lot of things that I didn't know, and I'm really glad that you put this together because it was super educational. 
reach out to us let us know what you guys think we love it when you guys connect with us on social media and on spotify if you listen there we have q a's and polls so go interact with the episode go follow us on instagram as well everything's in the show notes and we'll see you next week bye guys bye